Luke 10 and verse 2. <clears throat> Jesus, as he says, Therefore said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is great. It's big. It's massive. There's a lot of work to do to bring in a harvest. But the laborers are what? All right, remember that. The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You would think that with a church like Jerusalem, with 10,000 people plus, that there would be plenty of helpers, but there weren't. Isn't that kind of unusual? I mean, we have about 100 of us. We all get together again. And uh, if, there's, if there's a number of people who are in need and ministries that need to be filled, you think, well, we probably have enough. Well, what if we had 10,000? Wouldn't we have enough? No. It doesn't work that way. Numbers don't equal servants. Numbers don't make sure people are served. Preaching, convicting, realizing, opening our eyes to, wow, there is work to do, and there's not enough laborers. <clears throat> so the call goes out. Go back to Acts chapter 6. The call goes out. Who's going to help? Acts 6 and verse 2. There's a problem with, again, why, are, why were widows being neglected? Well, they were being neglected because when these widows got saved, when they started to follow Jesus, their Jewish families abandoned them and said, we'll punish you. We'll make it hard on you. And they did. No longer were they being taken care of. There was no state uh, entitlements. There was no social welfare. They were hungry and they were being neglected. And so in verse 2, it says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Not that they didn't want to, but you can't do everything in the ministry. Wherefore, brethren, he says, look ye out among yourselves. Aren't you find among yourselves seven men of honest report? <clears throat> honest men full of the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't it be nice to have a church full of spirit-filled men? And wisdom, I mean, we're the mature whom we may appoint faithfully over this building. Now, uh, over this uh, uh, business. Now, these kind of men are rare. I'll be honest with you. I've saved, I'm saved 41 years. I've poured my life into young and old men alike. And I'm telling you, men aren't spirit-filled. Men aren't faithful. They're not, they're not growing in wisdom. They're they're they're. I don't know if they're growing at all. It's just really just like, wow, these kind of men are rare. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's none. And even in our church, there's, there needs to be a, a realization. You know what? I'm called to be more than I am. I'm called to step up and to be ready to serve. Uh, just takes you deciding to start helping. Now, the man ministry, let me make this statement here. The ministry needs to grow. The church had grown in number, hadn't it? 10,000 people. There was 120, then there were 3,000. Then you add to that 5,000, you got 8,120. And then after that, it says there were multitudes. They couldn't even number. So at least 10,000 people filled the city of Jerusalem with their house churches and with meetings and with prayer meetings and with soul winning. And it was an incredible day to see a church that big, let me tell you, it was only numbers. 
just as much as a church needs to grow in numbers, more it needs to grow in ministry. Does that make sense? That's what we're looking at here. The ministry needs to grow. The gospel ministry never grows on just a few shoulders. It never grows on just a few shoulders. A few shoulders are always carrying the most load, though. The powerhouse of a church, the core source of power for every church is prayer and serving. <clears throat> um, ministry and serving one another is how a church actually grows. Uh, 10,000 people. Can you imagine if 10,000 people showed up for church? That would be terrifying. Just coming and sitting. I mean, that's what they do at sports. That's what they do at uh, concerts. We're not like that. People who gather together, our purpose is to serve one another because just a few servants can, can minister to one another. But can you imagine 10,000 people learning how to serve one another? I believe they would turn the world upside down. <clears throat> so let's go to Romans chapter 6 and let's make some statements here about serving. Romans chapter 6 in verse 22. You can leave Acts. Romans chapter 6 in verse 22. <clears throat> Romans 6, 22. And the truth, number one, I want you to sort of ponder and really get a hold of is that we have been freed to serve. Look at Romans 6, 22. But now, being made free from sin, you have become free to do as you please. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Romans 6.22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto righteous holiness and in the end everlasting life. Now the truth is sin enslaves. It ties up your time, your life, your thoughts. You know, the results of sin is always death. You may not be dead yet, but it's taking you there. <clears throat> Every one of your sins, everything you struggle with every day, if you're not living free of those things, if they are dominating your life, they're killing you and they're destroying your home. Do not think that your anger is not ruining your home. Do not deceive yourself and think that your lust for porn is not ruining your children and your future and your marriage. Sin destroys. <clears throat> According to John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus makes us free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed in reality. <clears throat> but salvation never freed us to live as we please. You know, when a person gets married, it's kind of funny. I've watched this all my life. Now, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not very smart. I've read all kinds of books and things like this. I'm not very smart. But... A lot of people get married and they add someone to their to their life, but they never let marriage change their life. It bothers me because when you got married, <clears throat> somebody moved in that now has priority over you. That's what the Bible teaches. And the majority of marriages fall apart because at least one of them never submitted and said, this other person is more important than me. Now, I understand there's abuse and there's people who take advantage but wouldn't it be a wonderful relationship where they both served one another 
And they said, this other person is more important than my own desires and my own wants. <clears throat> when you get married, you no longer can live as you please. You live to please the other person. You know, when you have a child, <clears throat> childbirth never allows you to now just go off and live as you please. Your life's been changed, hasn't it, if you have a child? And the same is true when a person gets born again. Salvation never freed us to live as we please. It freed us to serve. Looks there in, in uh, go to Romans chapter 16. And while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Why, if, if this is true, if we were saved to serve, why are we being so selfish? Why do we allow sin to continue to ruin our lives and rule our lives and schedules? Look at your family. Look at your family. Do you really think that your family reflects the kind of home that Jesus designed you to have? Look at your life. <clears throat> do you see the Lord Jesus or the devil in charge of your schedule and of your thoughts and of your home? Sin always enslaves it even enslaves christians there are christians right now who can't stop lusting and can't stop sneaking that bottle can't stop the anger can't stop the 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 um uh the the um the depression and everything that just seems to control their life <clears throat> sin enslaves go to romans chapter 16 and verse 17 Listen to Paul as he pleads with us. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Be well aware of them, which cause what? Divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And you should avoid those kind of people. Verse 18. For they that are such serve, circle that word, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But what do they serve? their own belly and by good words and fair speeches they deceive the hearts of the simple it's never supposed to be that way uh would you understand that we're in the 21st century and in the 21st century there are two things happening to churches today the first thing that's happening is they're closing down they're becoming coffee shops and museums there are churches that are closing down right now, and they're, they're, they're just monuments to history. The second thing that's happening to churches is they are serving people's bellies. They are making people only think of themselves. They are a place that is all about just whatever you want instead of what is it that God wants? Why, why would God save us and then allow us to become so selfish and so absorbed with ourselves? I think we were supposed to be saved to be free from that. So Jesus saved us, freed us to serve. So we need to decide to take back the new life that Christ gave us and start serving him again. So Galatians 5, now go to the right. Galatians chapter 5, serve one another is our commandment. <clears throat> Galatians 5 and verse 13. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto 
liberty, whoo, freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, to your own pleasure, but by love, what should we do? Serve one another. That's our purpose now. What a purpose. What a life goal. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I know that there are people who do seminars on life training and life goals and, and financial um, uh, success and financial planning. You know what church is? Church is preparing Christians to humble themselves and serve. To serve the needs and meet the needs of other people. To bless. You know what it means to serve? It means to bless and encourage someone else and to make them happy. That's what we were saved to do. Jesus showed us how to do that when he disrobed and put on a towel and got down on his feet and brought a basin. And with the very towel he was wearing, he dipped his towel into the water and then wiped the muddy feet of his disciples. And he wore that muck around him as he went from person to person around that table. He showed us what service looked like. And then he looked at them and he says, as I have done to you, you do to one another. You know, when you're a child, you grow up, especially in a home, you learn from each other. You learn all the bad habits. You learn how to be mean. You learn how to say things that hurt other people. Christianity, our example shows us servanthood. By the way, a very humiliating act of service. You know, people who wash other people's feet, think about it for a second, are rarely noticed. I want you to get the idea of somebody coming into a home when you came into a home, there was a basin there, and you usually washed your own feet. You would take off your shoes, and then you would put your feet into that basin, and then you would take it out, and there was a towel there, and you would sort of just tap your feet, and then you would go on into the room, and that's how people sort of wash their feet. But if there was somebody there who got down and greeted people and took their shoes off and then washed their feet, do you know what? Most people who saw somebody out of the corner of their eye who was doing that, it was very humiliating to watch them wash their feet. So your eyes were on everyone else as your feet were washed. And somebody who was washing feet is usually thought of as lower and less important than everyone else. Certainly, this is not the owner of the house washing feet. Certainly, this must be somebody who's been brought off the street and paid a few pennies to do this very lowly task. They never, if ever, thanked people who wash feet or what we as Christians are supposed to emulate. And we're supposed to do it with joy. So besides washing feet, what, what are some things that we should do in the ministry? Ah, I'll give you some ideas. How about feeding people? Serving tables, we read about it. Buying groceries, preparing meals, Jesus did it. Think about it, Jesus fed, one time he fed 5,000 hungry men. A couple of weeks later, he fed 4,000 more. Jesus fed people. It's an important example to serve people by meeting their physical needs. How about opening your home and taking care of people in trouble? You ever done that? You ever risked opening your home? <clears throat> We've done it. And people who we took in didn't want to leave. <laughs> I'm not talking about like 
son-in-law and daughter, <laughs> talking about people who you open your home to, and that's part of it. You ever done that? You ever risked everything to, to bless someone? You know, people open their homes to Jesus. Now, I'm sure if Jesus came knocking on your door, Jesus, come on in. He never came alone. He always brought 12 guys with him. <laughs> now you know why Martha was panicky, saying, I need help, trying to feed them all. <clears throat> in, the, in the Bible, you find people opening their homes to missionaries on their way to foreign fields of service. We need to be willing to open our homes to troubled young people. And they shouldn't have to turn to the social services to find. You know, <clears throat> there, are, there are children right now who have come out of very bad situations and they're in foster care. And not everybody can do it, but shouldn't Christians be burdened about taking care of these kids? Well, yeah, some of them are teenagers. Yeah. And they need, their, need, they need a home. That's what we do. That's how we bless. That's how we minister. That's how we serve. How about washing somebody's feet? Now, I mean, we, we have a, 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 I've got a rug here and stuff like this. But what if it's just lashing, raining outside? Wouldn't it be nice somebody, we have some guys meeting at the door. I mean, somebody drenched and they're taking off the jacket. Wouldn't it be nice somebody comes along and helps take off the jacket? Humbly just goes and we set up a rack or something over there. I've never seen any Christian here ever wash somebody's feet, but shouldn't we be thinking about what lowly thing can I do to bless someone else? <clears throat> How about clothing each other? Go to James chapter 2. James, just after Hebrews. James chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16. James 2, 15, if a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you shall say to them, depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Why would you say, I hope you're okay. Hope you stay warm tonight. Why would we think that would be a good thing to say? You say, we're in the 21st century. We... We don't give clothes. We don't, you know, do things like that. Why not? Too proud. You say, well, I think people will be embarrassed. Maybe they will be. Maybe they will be. But, you know, if you see a need, you say, you know, I want to be a blessing. I don't think the Lord would be discouraged. I think you'd be honored. How about encouraging each other with Scripture? Um, <clears throat> um I have to be honest, I, 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 don't, I don't want to constantly know there's another variant out there. I really love for some Christian to just send me a, a text with scripture in it saying, be of good courage. That's what I need. Amen. Can we not change the way we put out information and instead of just saying, oh, they've got the Omicron. I wonder what happened to all the other letters between that. Some of them are Chinese, by the way. That's why they skipped them all. But we won't go, <clears throat> go down there. But how about encouraging one another with Scripture? Do you know any good Scripture that really encourages you? Send them to me. Send them to one another. How about just staying together? How about just holding together? 
quick to forgive, never letting anything divide us. Even doesn't matter what somebody may say about you. Let's just stay together. Wouldn't that encourage? Don't our kids need some stability? I know what it was like when my dad left. I know what it's been like when I've watched parents split up and divorce and the kids be destroyed. I know what it's like when churches split and they get upset at one another because so-and-so was like this or whatever. Things didn't get my way. And all of these constant breaking down when we need to bless one another. We need to stay together. We need That's how we serve one another. How about helping the pastor shepherd the flock? It's, it's a big deal. I love feeding you with the word of God, but I need help. I need people who are able to stand up here when I'm tired or sick or whatever, who can preach, who can say, I don't care if it's 10 minutes that you can get up and you can preach, thus saith the Lord. Why don't you help me feed? Why don't you help me protect the flock? I'm a little tired of some people who, come along and they, they, they spread all kinds of stupid doctrines. Wouldn't it be nice if we were kind of protective and says, that's stupid, <laughs> and told them, no, we don't want to hear that. How about let's protect the flock? Would you help me disciple some new Christians? There's some people who need discipling. How about praying for one another? <clears throat> A powerful ministry is the ministry of prayer. It's a secret ministry. Nobody's going to know that you're the one praying for them. But we need some people who take it as a ministry that they do pray. Just opening the doors. Go to Psalm 84. Back in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 84 and verse 10. Psalm 84 and verse 10. Listen to David. Just coming and opening that door and opening these doors on a Sunday. Psalm 84 and verse 10. For a day in thy courts, speaking of the temple back then, but just, just spending a day in thy courts is better than a thousand anywhere else, he says. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just opening the doors. How about coming on Saturday evenings and helping Hoover and clean toilets? You know, it's got to be done. And how about helping soul winning? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all the way to the right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 18. Five eighteen, <clears throat> and all things are of God. Everything's in your life came from God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath now given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now that's a good word. Reconciliation means to take two two people who are enemies, God and the sinner, and reconciling them, making them the best of friends, making them family. How about going soul winning? How about helping out? There are just some ways to help out your pastor in the ministry. But you're not doing it for people. Don't do it to people. People will wear you out. People will take advantage of you. They will abuse you. They will misuse you, and they will hurt you. 
Don't do it to people. Do it as if you're doing it to the one who loved and gave himself for you. Go to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> In verse 34. There's so many scriptures on Jesus saying, do this unto me, but this is the best. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, Matthew 25, 35. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. You know, when somebody's in prison, they're usually not very popular. <laughs> She came unto me, verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee? Or when did we see you thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3 now. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever you do, Christian, do it heartily. I was thinking about this. What would that be good? How do I emphasize that? I know what. I know what. Let's pretend we got some guys who are in a rugby match. And as they're running down the field, and there's a guy next to him, just ahead of him, and he throws the ball to, the, to you, how should you run with that ball? Oh, I got the ball. I guess I'll walk my way to the goal. Oh, why did I get the ball? Why can't it go to someone else? Do you know what you're supposed to do with that ball? Run with it heartily, amen? Get it to the next person. Get it to the goal. Win the game. And in Christianity, look what he says. Um, verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord, hey, you're not doing it at a loss, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. <clears throat> Those of us who are saved should no longer live for ourselves, but live for him who died for us and gave himself for us. So every morning and throughout every day, do what you do for Jesus. Do what you do. Romans 12, 11, you don't have to go there, but not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The most exciting Christians are not going to be those that go to that got Garth Brooks tickets this week. You may be excited. People may be excited. I got Garth Brooks tickets. That's what everybody's excited about. The most excited Christians will be those that discover serving and serving with all their heart. I am grateful <clears throat> to be in the ministry. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, to the right a little bit long, further. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
I've known many people who've come and gone, who've served for a while and then quit. But I'm glad to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.12. <clears throat> and I thank Christ Jesus my Lord, who hath enabled me that he, hath, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He's grateful. I am too. Why? Because I'm in good company. Go back to Romans, Romans chapter 1. I'm in good company as a servant. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul. Oh, we usually expect him to say an apostle. No, what does he say? His first title that he loves to honor and he loves to, to point out, he says, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And I'm called to be an apostle. I hope to be a good one one day. But right now, I am a servant separated under the gospel of God. Go to 2 Peter. <clears throat> I'm not only in good company with the apostle Paul. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> in verse 1. Simon Peter. Oh, you're an apostle too, right? Uh, not first. You know what he was first? 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. One more, go to Jude, just almost to Revelation. Jude chapter 1, verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. And I'm brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called. You know, the highest calling of any human being is not to be Taoiseach, prime minister, or president. You know what the highest calling to be? A servant. And to be the servant of all. I, I'm in good company. Secondly, I get to give back to the Lord. I'm saved 41 years. Everything I have, I got from God. I hope you realize that. My life, my health, my talents, my weaknesses, my past, and my potential. Everything that I am, I get to give back to him. What a great privilege. That's called maturity. When I, when I get the opportunity to do something just for him, after all that he's done for me, I get to do. All I want to do now, go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians again, all I want to do is fulfill the word of God, accomplish the will of God, teach the word of God to the next generation. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 25. <clears throat> Where have I made a, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles who never knew these things. And the mystery is that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. <clears throat> I get to tell people about the most wonderful thing they've never known. I get to introduce people to the, to, to the one who loved them. Go to Psalm 78. 
Middle of your Bible again, Psalm 78. In verse 2. You got kids, you got grandkids, here's the verses for you. Psalm 78 and verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. That's a lesson, a teaching lesson. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Verse Five, for he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel when he commanded our fathers that they should make all these things known to their children that the generation to come might know, might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children so that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers. Stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So how do we have a different generation than what we are? Invest in the next generation. Teach, serve, pass on, minister, pray for. So my question to you is this. Will you help me serve the Lord? 2022 is coming up just around the corner. We're, we got one more month and it's done and we're in 2022. I really don't want to think about what COVID's going to do, what the government's going to do. I want to think about what we're going to do because I can't do it alone. And I can't even do it with those few who already are helping. So I'm asking that you would start helping do what needs to get done. You know, when we all serve, when we all just look around and be a blessing. I know some of you fix a cup of tea for somebody. Amen. Let's ratchet that up. Let's look and see what can I do? What can I faithfully do that will minister to other believers? I have a card uh, on the table there. It's unusual. You may not be interested in it. But it's got it's kind of like bingo, but don't play it like bingo, okay? <laughs> There's, but it's I call it looking for opportunities to serve. It's on that table over there. Grab it and look at it and see if you could do a few of them because each one of them are related to a ministry in the church. Like someone says, invite someone new to come to church. And if you do that, then put the date down you did that. Someone, or another one says, hand out five gospel tracts in one day. Do that. Start getting to where I'm starting to do something instead of just sitting. And so get one of these things and uh, see if you can get a little bit more busy than we currently are and just get used to serving one another. I need some men to get busy. First John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's men. Listen to Galatians 6, 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. That's our job. We need men to do that. I, I, I tell you, if I asked for helpers, I know a lot of ladies would, would offer help. But I need men to do that. I need men to help carry burdens, to, to minister, to go and to, 
to take care of problems and to, to mow. And we're not mowing grass now, but doing things that, that, that help people who can't help themselves right now. I need some men to get busy. I need some ladies to get busy. Go to John chapter 12. <clears throat> Just about done. John chapter 12. And verse 1. <clears throat> Look at these two ladies. I love this scripture. We know about when Martha was cumbered about. and She was freaking out and she was giving out Mary. But here I want you to see they got the right balance by John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, before his death, he came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha what? Now here she's not complaining. Now she's just serving. Lazarus, he didn't help out at all. He was one of them that sat at table with him. But look at Mary now. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. It was for her own funeral, her own burial. And she brought it into the room and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of that ointment. Now, don't wait for heaven for you to start to bless somebody that way. This woman gave her best. Martha's in there fixing her best meals. And Mary came in. What a ministry. She did it as unto Jesus. She did it to Jesus. Make sure you do it as unto Jesus as well. They loved Jesus enough to do something like that. And why wait, young men, young ladies? You know why we're a church? We're a place for anybody, any age, to learn to serve in some way or another. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 7, two more scriptures. Revelation chapter 7. I'm going <clears> to <throat> give you a little secret. When we get to heaven, guess what we're going to do? Oh, we're going to float around forever. No. Look what it says we're going to get to do. Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. Two scriptures here. Therefore, are they before the throne of God? People who come out of the tribulation who have paid with their lives. It says, and they will serve him, serve Jesus, day and night in his temple. He that sat on the throne shall dwell among them. He'll love being near those of us who serve him. Go to Revelation 22 and verse 3. Revelation 22 and verse 3. Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, in the new Jerusalem, and, they, uh, and his servants shall serve him. Don't wait for heaven before you start to serve God. Think about it. It won't mean the same like it does now. It just doesn't mean the same when you're in the presence of Jesus. You know what blesses God the most? Faith. Doing things by faith. Doing things without reward now. There is a reward coming. But doing for Jesus whatever he asks. So what are we saying? Every Bible-believing church should be a busy 
church. It is not something you say, man, this church is busy. That's every church is. There's always a lot of work that needs to be done. And truthfully, there are never enough laborers. So the call goes out, will you help? As I said before, 2022, you know what year that is? That's the year of our Lord. That is his date. And as we have a new year, it belongs to him. Let's make sure the ministry grows and not just our church. I want every chair filled every Saturday night. We pray that every chair is filled with somebody who's hungry. I guess some people weren't hungry. I don't know. But I want every chair filled. But I don't want just a full church. I want a full ministry. I'd like everyone to grow in the ministry. We have been freed to serve. Not to do our own things anymore. So let's serve one another. Let's serve as if we're doing it to the Lord. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody came along and just really made your day and you say, why are you doing this? Because oh, I was thinking of Jesus when I was trying to be a blessing to you. That would humble you, wouldn't it? Sure would ratchet up our, our effectiveness as servants. Let's make sure we ask ourselves, do you even know the Lord? Was there a day, a time where you stopped trusting your religion, you stopped trusting your own prayers, and you stopped trusting your own intelligence, and you say, I'm just going to trust Jesus Christ. If Jesus can take 12 fishermen and carpenters, bricklayers, and can turn the world upside down with them, how did he do it? He did it by changing their heart, by forgiving them, by giving them a whole better purpose. Jesus said, you've caught fish. Let me teach you how to catch men. He changed the world through servants. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, it's been our privilege to be reminded that we're called to serve. It's not just for a few. It's not for the apostles only. It's not for people who are well-prepared and well-trained. It is for each and every one of us. All of us are part of the body of Christ here. And everybody doing their part would sure make a great church. And sure would make a difference in our world that's, that's screaming and crying out for somebody to, to care. I don't like watching the government act like they care because I know they don't. Lord, help us to have a heart to serve. Help us to find a place, something to do, that we would grow in service. <clears throat> we need to grow in our own Bible knowledge, yes. We need to grow in grace, but we need to grow in ministry. I pray, God, that you would Fill our hearts, enlarge our hearts with a love of ministry. As much as we need to pray, we also still need to serve. Help us all to be so burdened to do that, please. In Jesus' name, amen.